Welcome back to another brand new episode of Learning As I Go, sponsored by British Triathlon. So many of you have signed up to the race with me on the 29th of July in Sunderland. It's going to be a movie. I've been putting my training in. I know you have too. And I cannot wait to see you on the starting line. But guess what? Today we've hit a special milestone, 12 episodes. So we decided to mix things up. We've been looking through all the analytics, myself and the team, and we've identified your favourite episodes and those moments where we feel like you've taken the most from. So today you're going to hear from the likes of nutritionist Emily English, ex-footballer Jermaine Genius, world champion fighter Brendan Lochnane, and so much more. But to kick things off, do you want to hear about the ultimate sober night out? Get ready to sit back and learn another life lesson with Radio 1 presenter Dee McCulloch. My perfect night out now as being sober is pre-drinks with the boys. Let's come round, let's get the tunes on, let's chat shit. Because that's what I used to do, right? Sorry, that's what you, you still do now? Still do now. The boys are coming round tonight about half seven. I've got like a drawer full of like alcohol-free spirits. We still like do the cocktail thing. They can drink, do whatever the hell they want. One of my best mates now doesn't drink because of me. And Same. My boyfriend, he'll drink, he'll have a couple of drinks, but we won't. But we'll get the tunes on, we'll have a nice time. Jump in the car. No Ubers, guys. We don't need to do Ubers anymore. Oh, get in the car, get the tunes on, we drive to the club. I try and find a parking space as close to the club as possible. Preferably right outside. This is so far from how it was back in the day. True story. (laughs) When we go in there, the club has to be a vibe. And when I say vibe, I need that sound system to be correct. I don't want any of this tinny, peaky... (laughs) horrible sound system. I don't want to be able to hear anyone around me talk, which is why I had the boys over previous to tell me how shit their week's been. (laughs) I don't want to hear about you complaining. I want it just to be me, my mates, the DJ in this amazing sound system. I need there to be a get out clause. I need to know- A back door. Where that door is. (laughs) True story. I need to know that the car is parked outside, that we can get a Mackie's on the way home. And then tomorrow I've got to get up and get my dog out for a walk or we've got to go and see the family, or I've got to paint the bathroom. Like that's, that is the perfect scenario for me. The worst situation that I can be in is where s- some of my friends or my friends' friends that drink have organized this night out and we're just gonna go somewhere and that's it. Or go on a pub crawl, or go, or if, if I'm not in control of the night, I'm just going like a free spirit. I genuinely get quite disappointed in the vibes because they're doing it for the booze. They're doing it to pull. They're doing it to find other guys to bring home and have a threesome with their boyfriends. Like, I'm not going out for that shit anymore. I'm out to have a good time. The music has to be right. Everyone's got to, you know, got to be all on the same page. Like, if there's any drama, we sort it out. You know, it's like those sorts of things. And as soon as that vibe is off, it's normally around, I call it witching hour. From half 12 to half one, on every single night that you've ever been on, that's witching hour. Because right about half past 12, one of your girlfriends will start to say, oh, he's really pissing me off this week. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or like, oh God, I've got to go up tomorrow, look after the babbies. Or like somebody will be like, actually, see now that we're out, I want to ask you something. <laughs> this this all starts around about half past 12. Guys at home, check it. <laughs> the next time you go out, if it starts to kick off, uh, I want you to get out your phone, your phone or your watch and be like, <laughs> Oh yeah, it's half past 12. It's fucking witching hour. If you're going to see an ex on a night out, I promise you it will happen after 12.30. Right, it yeah. happens to me. I've been out. We've, we've been having the best time. We've come upstairs to have a cheeky vape. There'll be a fight happening on the street. 
and I'll be like that. <laughs> oh, it's half twelve. And then we just, honestly, we just won't go back inside. But when you're sober, all of those things can happen. We can laugh at all of that. We can laugh at the dodgy mix the DJ's done. It doesn't have to be perfect. But when it's not hitting the spot anymore and the vibe's off, go home. Oh, do you know what's so weird? Because around that time, I used to get, I remember that time as well, when I was drinking, I'd go, and I'm at a point where I'm drunk, but I'm not drunk enough. enough. yeah. Right? And I'm like, I'm looking at myself in the mirror, right? Right, Scott, you should go home now. Go home, <laughs> go home now, Scott. Look at yourself. And guess what? I go, and, you know, I couldn't face going home and being on my own. And again, it comes back to now in hindsight, because I've got the awareness of being lonely. Yeah. Like having to go back to an empty house was my worst nightmare. Yeah. So instead I'd go straight back into that bar, order a load of shots, shots. and drink myself into oblivion to the point where I can't remember anything. Yeah. And I was constantly fighting being the, the Scotty special. Yeah. Here's a life lesson from Anastasia Kings North. So I'm just trying to get my head around this like young girl that you were mm -hmm. throwing yourself into this at the risk of basically being bullied in school and everything yeah. else. What about um, creating content did you love? I think I just loved the creativity of the fact that I could do whatever I wanted. Like mm. when I was at school, I was such a quiet kid. Like mm. I would not put my hand up. I didn't want to speak to anyone. But then when I was on YouTube, I think even though you're speaking to like so many people, realistically, you're only in a room with yourself and a camera. So it felt almost really easy so I think I liked that part of it that like I found a voice for myself online oh that's so interesting yeah because I've been watching a lot of your stuff and, and it's basically you are talking to yourself yeah. in a room for literally hours on end sometimes right yeah and that's that's a skill in itself. But like you said, it sounds like that was your way to express yourself. You know, some people say like music uh, is a form of expression, poetry, yeah. or whatever else. It sounds like creating content was your platform, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. Just being able to make a video, or I don't know what what I was doing back in the day, even just eating like a McDonald's and chatting shit. That is literally what I used to love to do. And people just, I guess, found something in my content that they liked or they enjoyed watching, and I just got really lucky. And that's with what it. I love about you, Anastasia, because out of Everybody I've met in this industry, you're just, you're just so normal and just humble and lovely yeah. to be around. Thank and I think you. that's obviously why people buy into you as well, because they, they, yeah. can, they can see that, that shines through. And let's get it right. Some of these Instagram girls, everything else that you see, like they are Instagram girls. I'm trying to describe that in a way that's not too offensive, but it's kind of, sometimes it's like, it all seems kind of like surface level, so, yes. superficial. Yeah. Whereas with you, it's like, you just seem real. And I think that's what people buy into. I feel like that's the beauty of YouTube though, because mm. like, obviously I do Instagram as well, but when people go on YouTube, they can sit and watch you for you mm. and watch you just be yourself. Like, you know, just put the camera up in the bathroom whilst I'm putting a face mask on and just talk. And it feels like you're, you know, that person, mm. which I think is why I've been able to do so well in the industry because I have just been so open and completely myself on YouTube. Mm. And it's funny you say that because, you obviously started doing this just because you love doing it. And mm -hmm. obviously now it's created a massive career for you. And you've got like your own exclusive podcast with Spotify. Now you mm -hmm. do massive brand deals, doing red carpets, everything else. Mm -hmm. But it's funny how it must have been so difficult. Because I, I can imagine when I was in school, if someone mm -hmm. said to me they were creating videos and on YouTube, I'd be like, in the nicest way possible, I'd be like, what are they doing? A hundred things. It wasn't a, like a thing back then for mm -hmm. like everybody to do. Like nowadays everybody kind of does want to get into this industry. And like, if you start doing YouTube, everyone's like, yeah, do it. Like you should do TikTok, blah, blah, blah. But back then everyone was like, what are you doing? Like, mm -hmm. why are you doing that? And I left school at 16 because one, I kind of just knew that I wanted to do the job anyway. And the education system wasn't really for me, but also because of how people reacted mm -hmm. to me doing it, I just physically didn't want to be 
around that anymore. Like they'd put my videos on like the big screen in the hall and like laugh at me whilst I was at lunch and like all this sort of stuff. And I so easily could have been like, no, that's it. I'm not going to do YouTube anymore. Wow. But like, thank God I didn't yeah, have of that course. reaction. Talk, talk me through it though. What, what were the kind of like the biggest lows for you then in, in those moments? Like, is there anything that kind of really stands out to you? Like, you, it sounds like you got bullied. Like, Yeah, yeah. Pretty much did get bullied at school. I had a very small friendship group at school and not many people really supported what I did at all. It's funny now because they're the people who now want to speak to you now mm. that I've done well. Mm. But yeah, I definitely had a lot of low moments at school where I didn't want to go to school. I just wanted to sit in the house and make a YouTube video. Mm. That is literally what I wanted to do. But I just, yeah, it, school wasn't great for me, which is a lot of the reason why I left at 16. Mm. I love that though. I love that story of like basically just sticking to what you care about, no matter what other people mm -hmm. say, because you can have doubters in anything that you do. And it's so 100%. important. It is difficult sometimes to back yourself yeah. because sometimes you think you're crazy and people make yeah. you feel like you're crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, and the fact that you've gone on to prove everyone wrong, that's just inspired me just there. So you left school at 16. Yeah. When did this become a career for you then? Like, when did you start kind of monetizing it? So when I left school, I remember I had 250,000 subscribers. So I was, I was doing really well, but like even the money side of it, it still wasn't like a huge thing. So mm. I was taking a risk like, mm. is this going to work? Am I going to earn like a living from this? But it was almost as though like the minute I, I left school, that is when it took off for me because I could put all of my effort into it. I could put all my time into it. And that was when I realized, and that was when, you know, I already had a management, but I really could work with them to build myself a career and work with brands. And it was when I was like 16, 17. Oh, that's interesting because sometimes I ask myself, am I spinning too many plates and being a jack of all trades and master of none? Mm. And for me, like the best influencers are the ones who literally are just full time yeah. and, and focus like massively on that. And even sometimes the best business owners can be the ones that just focus on one business and get yeah. that really right. So do you believe that focusing on one thing is the key to success or? I think so. I think it's hard in our industry to like put all your time into one thing because our job is essentially our life. And it's like, where do you find that split between, okay, I'm going to put all into the, into this, but I don't want to show some of this. Or like, when do you take a day off? Or like, I sometimes feel guilty if I take a day off. Like that is a real thing in this industry and some people don't get that because you film every day and then if you don't film, you're like, oh gosh, I've let everyone down today. Let's hear a life lesson from Brendan Lotnane. So as a kid, I'm guessing, obviously, you weren't always like a big lad or anything else. Did you feel like you had something to prove as well when you went into these, into your first kind of training and the, is it the cage you're talking yeah, yeah. about? No, so I started at a gym local to me and it was full of absolute, you know, the local hard nuts. Yeah, yeah. And like, I just got put in with them lot and they're all big men, you know what I mean? They must be going on 40, 45 now, Danny Ram and all the boys. So for them, I just got through in with a load of men and I was just a young kid. So yeah, 17, 16 was my first fight. So it's like, started training at 15, I was only there a year and then I was fighting. So I was only training with big men. So that naturally gave me more strength and because there was no real structure, we were all kind of figuring out this sport. It wasn't a sport. So we're all kind of figuring out how to train. I had no idea about nutrition or making weight or this is stuff that I've learned over the 15 years that I've been doing it. Wow. And it's like, even I'm still evolving every day and learning new stuff and martial arts is never ending. Like you can never learn it all. And that's what I think I like about it. It can't be completed. So it's a never ending journey. Yeah, but where does that drive come from? Because like you talked about, the period of time you've been training out. I mean, like 15 years and I've been watching you 
from afar sometimes. Obviously, I saw you in the dormant era and had contact with you then, but even then you were still training. I could see you on Facebook and stuff mm. like that. And over the years, I've just seen you be so relentless in your training. And sometimes you weren't always getting the recognition that mm. you deserved. Obviously, now everyone's on your case. Everyone's talking about you. Mm. You've just won a million quid in a massive tournament. But... What drove you to stay consistent? What was it about the sport? Is this the defining moment for you? Was this where you wanted to get to? What, what was the driving factor? That's a great question. And that's something I have to delve into every day because if I could answer that as well, I would love to. But I thought this was the goal and I thought having loads of money was the goal and all that, but it's clearly not because I'm still doing it. So like all these years, I've had loads and loads of knockbacks and... I just have a relentless drive and passion for this mad, crazy sport that I really can't put my finger on why and how it came about. But I get up every single day and I train my ass off and I love it. Like even now at 33, it feels the same as when I did at 15. I couldn't tell you why. Like I've just come from the gym now and like it gives me a different type of energy and buzz. You know yourself, you finish a good training session. What's that feeling like when you leave the gym and you put your bag over your back and you walk out? That's kind of what I've been addicted to. It's not the fighting and the competition. It's more like the general lifestyle of just being healthy and happy. And when I didn't, when I won this, I literally told myself, right, I'm a world champion now. I'm 33. Got a load of dough in the bank. I'm happy. But after one or two weeks, I wasn't. I was looking for my next goal. And that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm still at. I've just had another fight, smashed it. Now I'm on the next goal. But it's like, it really is never ending for me. And it has to end some point, obviously. But as long as I still got this drive and hunger to succeed in this sport, then why not? I think you just answered the question then though. You said it's to be healthy and happy. Mm. And this allows you to be that person. I had um, a guest on, uh, Charlie Edwards, who was a world champion boxer. Oh yeah, I was with Charlie yesterday. And he, uh, and he talked about the same thing. He said he won the world title. Okay. He had this belt in his house and he went, he looked at it and he was sat after the big fanfare, a couple of weeks, and he was sat in, in his apartment on his own and he looked up at it and went, this is shit, what's this all for? Why have I done all this? Like, and he realized it wasn't the destination that was mm. the, the goal for him. It was the journey. And, and I wish. It. But what I mean but with you though, is like you are, you are a local lad. He's not yeah. come from much, let's face yeah, it. Yeah. And literally you now achieved success on another level, financial like mm. success as well. It's not been a, a gradual thing. I know you made money over the years and yeah. stuff, but this has been a big yeah. jump from yeah, like yeah. that to that. Like, how do you feel like, your mindset's changed now. Do you feel more secure now, more confident in yourself or? Yeah, no, definitely. Like I've always made money over the years, but to have a million dollars wide to your account overnight, that's like everybody's dream, right? Like what would you do? Remember in primary school, you used to say to your mates, yeah. what, would you, what would you do for a million dollars? Like literally they did that. They just went, give me your bank details. And then just looked at me online banking. I thought, fucking hell, just put a million. But that is, mate, no. that is just, it's true though. When you're in school, you go, what would you do? Listen, a million quid. listen. <laughs> To how mad I'm making it sound is actually what happened. Send yeah. me your bank details and then they put a mill in it. And then you're like, right, okay, what now? And then you're like <laughs> tapping your feet for a bit. You do a few things. And then you just realize like you thought it was going to make you happy. Yeah. Like I'm going to be dead happy when I get this. Yeah, it's sort of loads of stress off me. Me and my family, but it's no way fulfilled where I want to go. It hasn't, it's not even close. Probably 10%. Like... When people say to me, what means more, that or the money? I'm like, they're both 50-50 in my eyes because the money's great, but you can't take it with you. Mm. Legacy, though, will last forever. Mm. And I want, when this is all said and done, when the word MMA or the words MMA is mentioned in Manchester, I want my name to pop up. I'm on legacy now. I'm past that now. Now I just want the legacy value. So that last fight I just had two weeks ago, 
that was the biggest name I fought by far. And it was my best performance by far because I feel like the stress is off now. I feel like I've got what I wanted out of it. Anything now is a bonus in my head. Here's a life lesson from Emily English. I know that there was a time when you was in a relationship where you kind of... Had you it felt, all. Yeah, you felt like you had it all. Well, you did have it all in this relationship, and then, but you also didn't really know who you were. Mm. Talk to me a little bit about that. What was the process? So when I was at university, I, um, I got in a relationship with someone and I was with them for about five years. And it was- Five years, it's a long time. It's a long time. And he was like incredibly intelligent, super successful, like an amazing creative. And I remember finding that really, really inspiring, but I slotted into his life. Mm -hmm. So I adapted and molded myself to become the person that I thought I needed to be in that relationship. Mm. And in that relationship, I was very lucky that I was very comfortable. We had house, mm -hmm. dog. What kind of dog just out of interest? English bulldog. Oh, he wow. Was, he was lovely, yeah. And I remember as lockdown, lockdown was like, a. I think lockdown was a very powerful time for a lot of people. And what it really showed me was that I was very unhappy with who I was and I didn't feel like I'd achieved anything that I'd wanted to achieve for myself. Mm. I lived for my life and for the people in my life, but I didn't live for myself. And I walked out. I walked out with nothing. Mm. And it was a very hard, turbulent time, both on on my partner emotionally and me emotionally. And I don't think there's ever an easy way to leave your life. Mm. But I literally pressed reset. I was on my own. I was earning next to nothing a month. Mm -hmm. It's the first time I've ever had to ask my parents for money mm -hmm. since I worked at ASOS from the age of 17 to, to afford rent. And I just worked and I set up my tripod and I started filming food recipes on Instagram and they used to get 3,000 views, if that. I just knew so much deep down inside that this was gonna work and this is what I was meant to do. Mm. And I just believed in the process and I kept on going and then opportunities started to fall through. And I started to get amazing brand offers and brand deals and my views started to creep up and my following started to creep up. And I now look back for where I am now. I would not be the person that I am today if I wasn't brave enough to leave everything that I thought I wanted behind. Mm. I thought I wanted security, safety, not to worry. But the reality is all I wanted to do was find myself. Mm. And I found myself through the medium of food. Let's hear from Brooke Vincent. Basically, it sounds like you kind of understood that this is this how is you go. Months. This is how you yeah. go through pregnancy. Yeah. It's nine it months might be of different to somebody else. Yeah, and it's okay to go through that. And you know that you will bounce back yeah. in your own way, your as own and time, when you yeah. want to. Yeah, and you just find this. And I think as as a mom, you really struggle with finding yourself again after having kids. And I don't expect kind of like you to understand that. But in my head, it's like, it's weird. It's like you're there, but all of a sudden your whole purpose is making sure that these two children are okay. You don't put yourself first anymore. So when I talk about obviously like the influencing, 
lifestyle. My kids don't want to see me get ready. They don't care whether I've got makeup on. They don't care whether I look cool. They want to go to soft play and they want to get there as soon as they can. So I come last. Mm. That how I look comes last. You know, as long as they're okay, as long as they're having a good time, I don't really care. Mm. I see whoever I see. I go and see my nana and, you know, nine times out of ten, I, I look like I've been dragged for a hedge backwards. But I just live with that. I just deal with that because at turn and like... In turn, when times when I need to dress up and look okay, I can do that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? This it sounds like you've really, really got a good understanding of who you are and you're just cool with that. And I think one thing to take away from this podcast as well, and I do it all the time, is especially in business and, and even where I'm up to in life at the age of 34 now, should I have a family? It's like, you know what? Stop comparing yourself to other yeah. people. In the same way you didn't compare yourself, well, you don't compare yourself now mm. to other people when they're pregnant. It's almost like everybody's different. Everybody yeah. deals with things in different ways and everybody gets to where you need to be at the right time for exactly. them. I, and, and I do really believe in like timing is everything. I do believe in that. Like look at yourself, for instance, you personally. Look at the journey you've been on in the past year. If you had children and you're trying to deal with whatever you were trying to deal with two years ago, it probably would have come out as a different, you know, that would have yeah, been yeah. a completely different outcome. So you just have to take what comes as it comes. Do you know what I mean? Like there's times like obviously I've gone back to well, I say I've gone back to acting, but I, I got a new agent and I started going for auditions and I was reading the brief. And every time I read the brief, I'd be like, oh my God, it's an American TV series. It starts filming in Toronto on the 5th of June. I'm like, what am I going to do? Because Kian plays football. I don't know where he's going to be this season. We've got two children now. And naturally, I come last. I say it all the time, but in our house, I come last. The, boy, the boys, Kian, me. And I just navigate around them. So whatever I can do around them, that's what happens because I'm the mum. That's the compromise that you obviously make. Mm. But that's what was worrying is that going into a new era of like becoming yourself and, and pushing yourself and going through things. I say to Sash before she's obviously had children, this is an amazing time to go and do them opportunities because you won't necessarily have the same outcome mm. when you've got children or you've got a family or you know, things have changed. Is there not an argument though, in order to be the best mum you could possibly be and to be the best girlfriend or wife, that you kind of do need to find time to put you first so that yeah. your cup is always kind of full, yeah. which is really difficult. <clears throat> it's easy yeah. for me to talk about getting up at 5 a.m. and do my meditating journaling. Like, I, I know when I've been out there. I it makes me laugh when I see you've been up. I think we well, might as well just come and live at my house and get up with my kids. Well, this is what I mean, but I, I know it's very easy for me because of my situation yeah. to, to, to live that lifestyle. Yeah. But obviously, I think it is still important for you to, to, it is, to prioritize it is. you. And I do, I do the gym and the boys go to nursery and things like that. But at this moment in time, my career needs to navigate around them. Okay. That and makes sense. for me and Kian, like like I say, we don't know where Kian's gonna be this season. For me and him, our main priority is making sure that the boys' lives don't change unless they need to. And making sure they've got their safe spaces within nursery or friends and family. And you just you just have to it's just a shift, isn't it's it? It's navigation, like you said. It's just it's, navigating. It's you juggling the yeah. and it's just constant and everyone's just trying the best. And I think that's what we need to remember is that everyone is just trying the best. No one goes out purposely to be a dick. Yeah. Well, I do sometimes, but they don't. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. someone might just be having a bad day. And I think there's a lot to be said for that, mm. that it's just okay to have off days. And yeah, 100%. I, when we say about being the best mum, I always say like you can't I can't be the best mum, the best looking in the room and the best girlfriend all in one day. Like I have to I have to prioritise for the day. So I say to Kia, I'll be the best girlfriend next Friday. Cookie <laughs> tea. <laughs> tea and you're washing over wow, on the bed. Oh god. Let's hear from Alex Bowen. And what would you say to someone who is struggling right now? 
what would be your advice to, to that person who's going through something tough right now? Just talk, man. Like, mm. I'm not saying it's going to help. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But what's what's the harm in trying? Like, there's always been this stigma around men not being able to speak to each other. And obviously, as I said before, in our friend group, um, it's because we've lost, like, a couple of people. We do check in on each other. Mm. But, like, you know what it's like in a lads group chat. Everyone just rips the piss out of each other. But that's, like, a coping mechanism as well. And that mm. does help. I'm not saying don't do that because that's what gets lads along. Yeah. But then, like, if you see, like, one of your friends, like, so their mood changes slightly, whether they're sad, they're upset, like, they're irritable, like, just pissed off. So just ask them, like, there's, like, a three-text rule, what you say, and it's like, are you okay? And if they say, I'm fine, then you say, no, are you really okay? Then they've got the option then to say, like, oh, this is, this is like, their little secret code to say, like, oh, he's actually asking me if I'm all right. Yeah, I love that. And it's funny you say that because in the lads' group chats, we always do come for each other. And then I think as you're getting older, you're becoming a little bit more sensitive. I, I, I was giving it to Scott Sasha the other day and he gave it me back and got very personal. But then he texted me outside the group going, I love you, mate. Yeah, that's what, what, what you need. That's what you need. That's but, exactly what we're like. Yeah, it's almost like a little bit, it's almost like our own therapy. Like yeah. we, we actually sometimes show affection by ribbing each other, but then as yeah. long as you check in and make sure that... Exactly, you've just got to do it both ends, that's why. Yeah. But it's incredible what you're doing. Like Because for you, Alex, as well, to be kind of... Like I said, it's like you've almost, you're growing as a person. Like the galaxy mm. I knew when you first come into Love Island Villa, for example, was quite shy in a way. And now I see you like, you're speaking on your platform and you're speaking with like authority and with passion and you're coming out of your comfort zone yeah. in order to, to spread this message. Mm. Um, and it's clear, it's clear that it's actually helping you, like you said as well. And one thing I really like about you as well, Alex, is that you're, you're honest as well. Like I saw you post something the, the other week on your story saying, you woke up, you felt like shit. You didn't really mm. want to get up and do any running today or anything like that. And you, you yeah. kind of share those those lows as well as the highs. And I think it's, it's so important because like you said, people will put people like yourself, especially young guys, put you on a pedestal. Think mm. he's, he wakes up every day and everything's amazing. He's got this big, beautiful house and da, da, da. When in actual fact, in reality, it's completely normal to have a down day. Yeah. And I think sometimes... As, as human beings, we put so much pressure on being happy all the time, especially yeah. from what you see in social media. Like you said before, on social media, you're not going to post the shit moments. No, exactly. You don't really do that. I think it's becoming a bit more of a trend now because of mental health and everything else, yeah. but it's just a highlight reel. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, yeah, like, if I never posted that I was having a day and day, like, I, I know what you're on about. I said that I was, I, was, I, was in, I was in the car and I just started crying in the car and I was like, what's the matter with me, like? And I couldn't even bring myself to walk in the gym. I just had a proper down day. And if I never spoke about that and I'm just trying to share this message about men to speak, I'd be a hypocrite like. Here's a life lesson from Claudia Fogarty. It's a horrible feeling when you feel like you're being rejected. I mean, I'm, petri I'm petrified of being rejected. Same. I think that's why I don't get into a relationship. <laughs> like for me, it's like, yeah. and if sometimes I feel like I'm getting closer. It's like I have to end it first to go yeah. just before like it gets to that point. That's because, so true. And I think like, I remember my first love when I was 21. Literally, I'm not even lying to you. It took me like six years to get over that breakup. And it was just the thought of being rejected. I couldn't deal with it because it does like... It's horrible. So how was that for you? And knowing that that was happening on a TV show, like, how did it God, make you feel? It's hard before that. They would ask you questions and they'd say, have you ever been rejected before? And I was like, yeah, probably. Then I'm like, actually, I haven't really. I will, I've, in relation, been the dumper. I've always been the, dump, the one that dumps them. <laughs> Honestly, I have. And I've, and I've never really had that life where no one's wanted me. So being in there... I didn't think it would happen. I was like, I found this guy and I really liked him and we like clicked from the start. And then when I did get like rejected, it was like, 
oh my God, like I'm in this villa now with someone that I actually really like and he's just rejected for somebody mm. else. And it really hit a nerve in me and that's why I cried so much because yeah, probably it wasn't just the fact it was hitting. It was the fact of being rejected by someone and it's a horrible feeling. Mm. And I probably haven't gone through that really much in my life because I've always, like you said, mm. before it gets that point, I'll just leave him because I'm like, no, no, I'd rather me do it to you. So it was really hard. And I, I think in there, I, didn't, I thought, oh, you know what? It's just a TV show, it'll be fine. No, you actually go through the motions in there and it actually did really upset me. Um, but like you said, I think it was more the fact of being rejected rather than it was who but, it actually was. But when you actually take a step back, like when it comes to relationships and everything yeah. else, like if you think about it, it's not always about you. Like if you think about how humans work, it can be more about them and whatever they're going through. But sometimes when we do feel like we're being dumped, mm. we're so easy to pick on ourselves. What, oh, it's me, there's something wrong with me or... And that was me, I think. And then that's where I was like, and all the girls in there were like, why are you not backing yourself? Even like Tom would say to me, why have you not backed? Like, it's what so is, hard though, like, it's so hard. And then I just thought, is it me the way I look? Like, mm. And then the weight thing would come in, I'm like, and then I'd wake up that morning after and I'd look in the mirror like, oh, maybe it's because I've put on weight since being here. I'm like, Claudia, what are you doing? And it took like the girls and like some of the boys in there to be like, back yourself. And I'm mm. like, it's all, I can't. Like, I've, I've never backed myself really ever. I think coming out of there and now 100% feel like I do back myself a lot more. And uh, maybe that's the journey I needed to go on to be where I am now and to be like, you know what, Claudia, you are worth it to someone and you are an amazing person because the love I've had since coming out, I do feel like, wow, I am a good person. Mm. But yeah, it was one thing in there where I'm like, why, do I not, why am I not backing myself enough? Like, just because one guy out of these eight boys that have been picked from this whole world yeah. doesn't want me, why does that mean that I'm, I feel like I'm not worth it to him? Like, in, it took a while for me, but then coming out, I've realised... I'm like, what was I even thinking? It's so like, hard, isn't it, when you're in the situation? Like, I've done it before. I'm like, and I can't follow my own advice. So if, I, if someone's going through a breakup, I'd be yeah. giving the best advice, saying, back yourself. Come on, have you seen it? You're yeah. stunning. Like, but then when it comes to yourself, you, you just, you feel like you've been kind of knocked. And 100%. for me, there's, there's confidence and certain people just got it. Like, you know, when someone walks in a room, right? Yeah. And they don't have to be the loudest guy in a room. They just, they don't care about what other people, yeah. you know when people say you're going to be happy when you don't care what other people think, it's so true. Yeah, it is. Let's hear from Jermaine Genus. For someone who's been defined as a footballer, not just from a career point of view, but from being a young kid, mm. how do you deal with that and what kind of coping mechanisms did you bring to the table in order to kind of get you through the next phase of life? Because obviously that's all you've ever known, football, yeah. right? Turn to a few things, if I'm totally honest with you. Again. Family was my first thing I turned to because the, the big thing for me is I felt like I was just worthless in the house. You know, I'd gone from being Jermaine Genius, the footballer, you know, walking through the door every day with your chest out to nothing. Mm. What, what have I got to do today, babe? Nothing. You, you, oh, I'm not. I'm not training. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not, I'm, I am literally. I'm just like that flatmate that sits around the house now. That's what I felt. I felt worthless, and I started to try and figure out ways to make myself. I suppose a bit you know, for my wife to look at me in a proud way again, even though she didn't need it. She like was the, the, the house. A little bit. She yeah. was the first one that came to me and was like, you know, I'll, I'll never forget. She put her hand on my shoulder and she went, we're going to be fine. No matter what, we're going to be fine. And the anxiety kind of just came down like a notch from that point. And I was like, right, what do I do from here? I just started really simple. When, when people talk about like kind of like men's mental health and or just mental health in general and where do you go and what do you do with it? For me, it was, I started to cook for the kids. Found, I found my worth really. So I'd mm. take the kids to the nursery, pick them up, I'd cook for them. Then I'd go to the gym for a day. I was like, oh, there's, there's a day complete. Day two, I'll go to the gym again and 
before I know it, I'm going to the gym five days a week. I'm cooking. I'm starting to learn how to cook. And I've I found my worth in the house now. I'm okay, right. Let's go again. And then the second part of that was um, I met some really good people, random people as well, like um, Dexter Blackstock, who I played football with at Forest in the latter stages of my career. Me and him hit it off. And I'll never forget, he sat me down one day when I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he went, you're Jermaine Genus. What do you mean you don't know what you're going to do? And he was like, watch this. And he picked up his phone. <laughs> I'll never forget it, I swear. He picked up his phone. Mick's like, hello. And he's like, yo, is this so-and-so um, so at BT Sport? Yeah. I've got uh, Jermaine. Like, he booked my first gig I ever had at BT Sport. I think it was, against, it was a QPR against, might have been Spurs. No, because Rio was playing. No, Rio might have been playing for QPR. I can't remember. But anyway, he booked my first gig. And he went, that's how easy it is for you to get out there and make money and get a job and do whatever. And I was just like, damn, that is mad. And I remember, and I spent a lot of time with him. And he's an interesting character, Dexter. And he's in business, you know, he's, mm -hmm. he's got businesses of his own. And um, we were doing different things mm -hmm. together. We're going to church together. You know, I turned to faith quite a bit as mm -hmm. well. And was trying to just like do some soul searching in terms of finding some peace in what I'd lost. And yeah, I, you know, I spoke to some people that I met at the church who gave me some guidance as well. I spoke to Dex, I spoke to my wife, I spoke to my parents, my best friends. I just kind of really brought it, brought it right mm. back down to the basics mm. as to kind of like, where do I go from here? Wow, there were so many different life lessons to take from those episodes. And it's good to look back sometimes because you really do forget just how impactful these conversations were. Massive thank you again to all my guests who, who featured on this episode, but also a big thank you to you for continuing to support the podcast, following it, subscribing. It really does make a massive difference. And please don't forget to DM me on Instagram. I love hearing all your takeaways. I like to reshare them as well. So please get in touch with me on Instagram and I will see you next week for another incredible guest and some more life lessons with learning as I go.